a Podcast One production. Welcome to Just The Gist, Rosie Waterland's weekly podcast where she gives you just the gist of what you need to know about whatever topic she happens to find interesting at any given moment. And here <laughs> she is, the lady of the hour, Rosie Waterland. First of all, that description is missing your name. You need to say Rosie and Jacob's podcast. Yes. Second yes, of all, true. it makes me sound narcissistic as F. Like, <laughs> come and listen to this podcast that is just Rosie talking about what she wants to and what she's interested in and that's it. <laughs> I think I just describe podcasts in general though. <laughs> yeah, you're not completely wrong there. And um, I mean, you are the one who puts all the work into this, doing the research and telling me the things I get to just sit back and be a laugh track, really. Well, work is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look... <laughs> Well, it's this one actually this week was quite hard because the topic I picked this week is a little bit complicated and mm. I started realizing this week, wow, giving just the gist of something is actually quite a thorough research uh, process for me. Mm. But yeah. um, we'll get to it. I've got to give you the um, just the gist of this week's headlines, otherwise okay. known as what Rosie has decided is important in the news. <laughs> Okay, Are thank you, you for filtering through all the world's events <laughs> Do for you, me and my benefit. Were there any headlines this week that you that um, you know you noticed? Want to know about? Um, honestly, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> I don't I think I've it. seen anything. I, I really it. haven't even been on social media at all, so I got no idea what's been happening. I assumed. Okay, well, um, trust in me that I am giving you the headlines that are important and relevant in the world right now, okay? Much appreciated. Thank you. Okay, so first of all, big news this week is that Kim Kardashian did an Uber Eats ad with Magda Shabansky and it's heaven. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Magda Shabansky is in her um, Sharon Streslecki character. So she's oh, dressed yeah. in her netball gear and Kim yeah. Kardashian is also wearing netball gear and um, <laughs> they're sitting on couches and basically it's just funny because Sharon's being Sharon Strzelecki and Kim's being Kim Kardashian and and it's cool. Okay, would watch. So I'm assuming <laughs> this is for the Australian market. It is. And people have yeah. been speculating how much it would have cost them because like... She gets paid like a million dollars for an Instagram post, let alone a whole day of filming an entire commercial where she has to say the word noise. Oh, Oh, I wonder if they had to explain to her what netball is. They don't even have that in the States. She admitted that when they said it to her, she thought it was the Australian version of the Met Ball. She's really funny. She's clearly taking I love that Magda's Australia's version of Anna Wintour. I can kind of see that. You need to post a side-by-side of Anna and Magda. I will. Oh, I shall. Um, So that's big headline. Uh, Big headline number two is Mm -hmm. that um, um, it's come out this week that there's a new thing you can do um, for your health and well-being. Um, A woman on Instagram called Metaphysical Megan has um, posted a photo of herself um, sunbaking her Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So like she's literally on her back, like with her Uh legs akimbo Uh and like, and apparently she says that letting the sunlight um, absorb into your butthole 
has like untold, unlimited health benefits. She sleeps better. She has more concentration. She feels more like vital and energetic. And she does it for only five minutes a day. Okay. <laughs> and so that I'm went viral because people are saying, okay, so she's basically mainlining sunlight into her butt. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm quite serious when I say I'm willing to give that a go. I'm well, sure that I mean. Surprise you. <sighs> Well, yeah, you could because you just bake in the sun for hours and hours and hours and just turn into a brown god. I feel like my body, the parts of my body that see the sun are already pale enough. Mm. Like, I think if I opened my cheeks and my butt was exposed to sunlight for even a nanosecond, it would just fry and turn to dust immediately and I would die. Dino's just got up the picture. Wait, I want to show you of this girl. Here, can you see in the camera? Oh, okay. I was picturing her standing on her feet, just bent over at the waist. No, she's lying on her back with her legs up, kind of like if you're a girl about to get jackhammered. Or, ah. <laughs> <laughs> or a boy. Or a boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how she's, that's her position. The, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll just starfish it. Off you go position. Um, yeah. So I think I would die. Like I would get third degree burns if I did that, if I tried that for five minutes. Yeah. yeah. You'd need to build up pretty gradually. I Start think with so. 10 seconds and work your way up from there. But I think um, her um, rationale is, it's like you're getting the vitamin D to go into like an opening rather than just waiting for it to absorb off your skin, in your uh-huh. skin, I think. So anyway, um, I hope you trust and believe that these are the world's number one headlines right now. Imagine if you ended up with a melanoma on your butthole. From being an insufferable Instagram wellness influencer, I feel like you'd... I don't want to say deserve it, but you kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Shailene Woodley claim something similar? Oh, yeah. Shailene ago? Woodley um, suns her um, minge. So she suns her minge for like five minutes a day. Okay. So similar concept. Similar concept. You know. Same danger and levels. Let live. I feel like it's the adrenaline that's making them feel so great and giving them a little <laughs> bit of a jolt to get them through the day. Oh, well, yeah. There you go. So off the just... Good on them. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the third headline is something that you definitely wouldn't have seen or heard about, but Elon Musk, he showed everybody this car that he's been working on called a Cybertruck. He's like mm-hmm. kind of invented an electric version of a four-wheel drive. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know that episode of The Simpsons where Homer invents a car with his brother and they end up inventing the most ridiculous car in the world <laughs> and then... <laughs> The brother loses all his money. It was kind of yeah. like that. Like this uh-huh. car was just such a joke. It looked like what a kid would draw in you one when you tell them to invent the most cool car ever. And the funniest thing was a huge part of it was that it has like shatterproof windows and nothing can smash the glass. And so to demonstrate, they got a metal ball and threw it at the window and it immediately smashed. <laughs> <laughs> So people have been giving Elon Musk shit all week, which I love because I hate him. Why do you hate him? I don't know. I just think he's a twat. Don't you? I don't know much about him. Maybe you can give me just the gist of Elon Musk one day, please. Oh, I could. I mean, he's just a billionaire who seems to have all this money and he just does stupid things with it. 
like inventing ridiculous cars from the drawing of a kindergarten kid. You know what I mean? But apparently lots of people have ordered it, so there you go. Um, And those are this week's only relevant headlines, according to Rosie. (laughs) Kim, buttholes, ugly cars. Exactly. My favourite topic. You're up to date? Good. You're welcome. (laughs) So... Here we go. This week's Just the Gist topic is a story I've been obsessed with for a few years now. I read the book about it about a year ago. I listened to this really detailed podcast about it. Alex Gibney, the Oscar-winning filmmaker, made a documentary about it. A film is being made right now starring Jennifer Lawrence and a TV show is being made right now starring Kate McKinnon. This is Just the Gist of Elizabeth Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you wouldn't know. Okay, well, this is good. Elizabeth Uh Holmes, um, you you don't have no sense? Maybe. She has a company called Theranos, ringing any bells? Told people she was revolutionising medicine and then frauded them all? Getting any dingles? Blood drips. Yes. Blood tests from a drip of blood. Yes. Yes. Okay, so Uh you're pretty much a blank slate here. Yeah, I know you told me about it, but I don't think I was really paying attention. (laughs) We probably had a bit to drink. That sounds like our relationship in a nutshell. Um, Okay, so um, she was, Elizabeth Holmes at one point, was named by Forbes as the youngest ever self-made female billionaire, a title which is now held by... The wonderful Kylie, Kylie Jenner. Jenner. Yes. yes. <laughs> that she, I know. Yes. So <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes was called um, the female Steve Jobs and like the female Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, those tech people. And it was an exciting mm-hmm. feminist story because Silicon Valley and the tech world is very male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this was because she had founded a company at 19 called Theranos and apparently that's a mix of the words therapy and diagnosis. And oh. Theranos was developing a medical ad- device that she said would get rid of the need for people when they're getting blood tests to have to have a syringe, take, you know, five vials of blood, and then that blood gets sent off to a lab and they test it and it takes a couple of days. She claimed that she was developing a device that would just prick your finger Kind of like, you know, those uh, blood sugar test prick things. The diabetes, Yes. Prick your finger and get just a drop of blood and then that drop of blood would get inserted into a machine that was like a portable machine, kind of the size of a printer maybe, and that Mm. printer would go and then you'd have your results in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so that was her like claim that that's what she could do. And, um, you know, it was... What would the results tell you? Like, what blood test results tell you. So, like, you know, what do you, like, what do you get blood tested for? Anything and everything. Okay, so, like, iron traces or diseases or... If you're pregnant, if you have hepatitis, if you're, you know, me, because I have uh, Hashimoto's, I have to get my thyroid levels tested every couple of months, like, Mm. just any kind of blood test, she said. She was mm-hmm. revolutionizing medicine. And, you know, it was a big deal because, like, that literally would be one of the most important medical um, advances 
in history. And yeah. her plan was if we can eventually get one of the, if people can buy these and have it in their house, then you can just test your own blood every few weeks and always be keeping track of your health. And so you'll know really early on if anything's wrong because mm -hmm. you can just be testing your blood all the time and it's really easy and it would make, you know, blood tests and healthcare more accessible for, um, you know, disadvantaged people. And it was just like this really kind of amazing idealistic idea. And people mm. started throwing money at her because they were like, oh my God, she's going to change the world. And um, uh, her company at its peak was valued at $9 billion. She oh. was personally valued at $5 billion. And she's your age, by the way. So oh. she's done all this, like, <laughs> while we were faffing about at drama school and then making a podcast. <laughs> so, um, but it turns out that none of it worked. It was all a lie. She had no working machine and she's kind of a major league nutter. And how long did it take them to find this out? This is what I'm going to tell you. Okay. So it's kind of the question when people are talking about Elizabeth Holmes is, did she truly believe her own bullshit mm. or is she a straight up psycho fraudster who just uh -huh. got money out of people when she knew she was making something that she couldn't deliver on? So that's that's where people kind of try to... That's where they land when they're talking about her. So I'll give so you. So you still don't know the answer to that question. Well, it's, you know, I think it's kind of subjective. Like people are people can't decide. I have my own opinions, which we'll talk about at the end. And after I tell you what happened, I'll ask okay. for your opinion. But oh, I have so many questions. Okay. Go ahead, please start. So. Um, she goes to Stanford, um, out of high school, which is a very fancy university, um, in the U S and she takes mm -hmm. like one chemical engineering class and she's like, oh my God, I'm way too smart for this. I get it. I can just imagine fancy science things in my head. I don't need to do this. And so she went to a couple of her lecturers at uni and told them about <laughs> her idea to get rid of traditional syringe blood and to just prick a finger and test do all the tests really quickly in this one machine. And the mm. teachers were like, that's really cute, babe, but like, nah, that is impossible. And we mm. are chemical engineer professors at one of the best universities in the world and we're telling you that cannot be done. And mm. she's like, shut up, I'm doing it. And I don't need a formal education because I did that one class. And so at 19, <laughs> she drops out of Stanford, forms the company Theranos. And she writes a plan for her fancy finger prick technology and mm. patents the idea, so she copyrights it. But the problem is at this point, the idea is completely speculative. Like, she's just gone, this is a thing I think could happen. And her plan is kind of, well, now I'll just pay people to make it a reality, uh -huh. which is, it, it's, it's, kind of where all the dodginess starts at the very beginning, because in order to get a company off the ground, she needs money. So she has to go around Silicon Valley looking for investors, people to invest in her company. And um, she's telling them about this idea, but telling them that, you know, she can't give them the exact details because it's a trade secret. Like it's patented, it's copyrighted, kind of like how Coca-Cola will never release their recipe and like KFC won't tell you the 11 herbs and spices. She's like, I have this idea I can't mm. tell you what is special about my idea that it could work, so please give me money. And people uh -huh. do give her lots of money. She immediately raises, like, quite a few million dollars to get her 
company off the ground. And it's uh-huh. nuts. It's like, it's like if I went to you and I was like, Jacob, I have an idea to make a flying car. <laughs> and all I need to make that idea a reality is lots and lots of money. So mm. can you just give me the money and I promise you in five years I will have made a flying car. Mm-hmm. But don't ask me any questions about how I'm going to do it. I just promise I can do it. This is basically mm-hmm. the plan she's using and the way she's going about it. But people are giving her money. Um, and I think people were investing because of two reasons. She's apparently incredibly charismatic and charming, which they say mm-hmm. um, psychopaths often are, which, you know, just dropping that out there. She had an amazing (laughs) ability to convince people of anything. And she's blonde and she's thin and she has these massive blue eyes that kind of never break your gaze. So people, and particularly men, it should be noted, because men are idiots who think with their pains, are really enamored with her and just start throwing money at her because not because they believe in or understand the technology that she's pitching to them, they're throwing mm-hmm. money at her to give to her because they like her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The other reason people are investing is FOMO, fear of missing out. So, like, she's mm-hmm. not telling anyone the details, but she's telling them it's going to work. And if it does work, it will make billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. Like, it will be huge. So, if you invest mm-hmm. now, you could end up getting this huge windfall. I mean, it's kind of like saying, you know, imagine if you passed up on investing in Apple back in the day, like, wouldn't you Mm. regret it? So people, yeah, that's the other reason. Um, And she gets crazy amounts of money from really important people, like Rupert Murdoch invests like $100 million. And then there's people like Henry Kissinger come on the board of directors and like all these really important, like she hires all these scientists and she gets a lot of designers and developers from Apple and um, basically says to them, okay, guys, so we've got all this money um, and here's my idea. So can you please make that happen? Oh, What are your questions so far? (laughs) (laughs) So she said she had a blueprint for how she was going to make it work. She said she had the concept for how the technology was actually going to be able to deliver on what she was promising, but she hadn't actually figured any of that out. Well, I think she, I mean, it would be like if I drew a picture of a flying car and said, this is my blueprint. I mean, yes, I have a blueprint, but Uh how useful is it? Wow, it's amazing that she could even get a foot in the door with the, like well, no qualifications. The stuff I've read, yeah, that's another thing people say. She has no medical qualifications, and this is a medical product, hardly any science qualifications. She's just mm. a really good shit talker. Um, but um, the thing that I've read a lot when I was, because I've been obsessed with this, and the thing I've read a lot is that people say it's a culture in Silicon Valley of like faking it until you make it. A lot uh-huh. of people launch companies where they haven't quite, you know, this is the nature of development. You haven't developed mm. the final product yet, but people are desperate to get in on the ground floor because if you pull it off, mm. the windfall of money will be huge. So Uh that's the kind of uh, culture she's taking advantage of. Um, And this is where people say, does she truly believe she can do it or is she scamming people even from this early point? Uh So 
She hired. So she's got now all these people that she's hired. She's given them the brief. Yes. How long do they then get to work on it? Well, okay. She says to them, please make this happen. And then mm. the scientists she's hired are like, wait, what? You mean it's not already happening? Like, what do you mean? And she's like, nah, I had the idea. Now you guys have to pull it off. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and so this is where she was pretty clever. And there was a very high turnover of staff at this company, which, you know, is not surprising. But she, when you look back over this story, you think, how did she get away with this? Because people were investing money in this company for like 10 years. And so how could she keep getting people to give her money yeah. When there were no results or return, like she wasn't coming back with anything. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because it's all about um, research and development. Like, I guess this is how those kind of medical companies work, that this stuff takes time. And so she didn't really, ha it wasn't like they were, they gave her a hundred million dollars and said, we expect this pinprick thing in a year like it takes mm. time so she kept saying we're developing it we're developing it we've got a new prototype or now we've got another prototype so she was able to keep getting people to give her lots of money by saying they were in the research and development stage mm -hmm. um now she kept everything about the company extremely secret so people who worked there had to sign like nuts burgers confidentiality agreements like if you even like sneezed in the wrong way about something to do with Theranos, she would sue your ass off. So anybody who's worked there isn't allowed to say anything. So a lot of people are leaving because they'll be there for like a year and they'll be like, this damn thing doesn't work. I'm outie. But they can't tell anyone. And she also, in the company, kept all the departments really separate. So nobody was allowed to talk to any other department. And so that's how people didn't in the company also didn't really realize that what they were working on didn't work because you could think, oh, well, this little bit of the project that we're working on isn't going so well, but everybody else must be doing fine. You know what I mean? Mm. So nobody knew that everybody else was just in the bottom of a trash fire and the whole thing was uh -huh. a nightmare. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So by like building up this uber level of secrecy, nobody knew that everybody else knew and was worried that it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how she kept it going. Are there any records of anyone actually being sued for having tried to oh, break yes. the silence and break the confidentiality agreement? Yes. So she hired a lawyer called David Boyce, who is quite famous for being pretty much the most ruthless lawyer in the US. Mm. And if anybody left and even there was a whiff that they were going to say anything, he was on them like crazy. People were terrified. One man um, ended up uh, dying by suicide because he was so stressed oh. out. Yeah. About what he could and couldn't say and that his career was going to be over if he revealed the things that he wanted to reveal. And it gets really intense, man. So okay. should I keep going? <laughs> yeah, yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... A few years in, they have actually developed a kind of machine. Like, it's not like there's nothing. There's mm. a machine called the Edison, and it kind of looks like I said before, like it's about the size of a printer. It's very black. It's very sleek because she got Apple designers to do it. Um, mm. It was always very important to her that everything looked perfect and looked marketable. Mm. Um, but it was a hunk of shit. It didn't work. Um, mm. And then when investors would come in, like for a tour of the premises or for a demonstration, they would take a prick of their blood, put it in the little machine, 
and then take that person away for like a meeting or something. And then as soon as they left the room, a scientist would run in, take the blood out of the machine, (laughs) run to the lab, test the blood just in a regular way. And Uh then run back in and put the blood back in the machine so they could be like, here are your results. Like, so they were actively covering up the fact it wasn't working. Deceiving people. Yes. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it was, and there's even. being a part of that. I know. And there's even a story of like, um. One version of the machine um, had like a computer like screen interface thing and it would sort of go blah, 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 and then your results would come up and mm. um, it wasn't working and they couldn't get it to work and they had this really important investor meeting. So they just sort of put on the screen a recording of results coming up. Oh. <laughs> I know. So this is stuff that people inside the company were like, mm, this doesn't feel right, but... Like, you know, Henry Kissinger's on our board and Rupert Murdoch gave us $100 million, so I'm sure it can't be dodgy. Like, it was just this nature of keeping everyone apart meant nobody ever talked to anybody else about their concerns, which were actually quite legitimate, serious concerns. Uh Um, So, I mean, people in the company knew it wasn't working, um, but she was so supremely confident about how well they were all doing that, like, if anybody ever came to her with doubts, she would say, well, maybe you're just not meant for Silicon Valley. Like, maybe you're not a dreamer. Like, maybe you just mm. aren't on the same wavelength as me and you should leave. Um, and then after about 10 years, it got to a point where the investors were like, okay, awesome. You're a visionary. You're amazing. We've given you all this money, but, like, we do actually need some results now, please. Like, you can't just keep researching and developing forever. Mm. Like, what's going on? And so I think this is kind of the key moment. This is the moment where she could have said, you know what? I thought I could do this, and you gave me all that money, and I thought with all the money and all the resources, I could make blood test prick finger thingy technology a reality but mm-hmm. I've failed and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. She could have said that, but she doesn't. <laughs> when they tell her that they need <laughs> results, she doubles down and gives them results. And it's all a crock of shit. So yeah. this is where it's hard to argue. I mean, up until this point, people argue that she could have just been overly optimistic and she could have just been racing to keep ahead of herself. Like she kept getting money and she kept going, okay, we'll we'll crack it in the next six months. We'll get it. And then when they didn't, she would get some more money and go, no, we'll have it by next year. You know what I mean? Like, and so she yep. sort of got stuck in it. But this mm. is the point where it seems to become like an active fraudulent thing. So mm-hmm. um, she starts uh, selling the Edison blood prick machine. So at, up until this point, it's all just been research and development and testing and experiments. But now she starts selling it to actual people to actually get their blood tested on. So um, she signs this huge billion-dollar deal with a place called Walgreens, which is like America's version of Priceline. It's like a, ke- yeah. a chemist that's everywhere. Um, and they agree to put a one of the blood prick machines in each of their stores so people can just go in and get their blood tested whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And Theranos, which has been a very secretive company up until this point, decides, well, now that we're going public and we're test- like we're testing on people and we're selling it as an actual product, let's like go big time. And so they hire a massive media firm to like put them on the world stage. And Elizabeth, who's about 30 by this time, um, 
she really wants to be like the Apple of the medical world. So she hires mm. the same media people who deal with all of Apple stuff and she starts wearing black turtlenecks every day and she gives a TED talk and people start <laughs> flipping out over her and she's on the cover of all these magazines and she's invited to the White House and this is when she gets on the cover of the Forbes uh, billionaire uh, issue. But it doesn't work. Like <laughs> this is where you think – is she crazy? Like, she was just like, okay, it's been 10 years, they're demanding results, it doesn't work, but I'll just sell it to Walgreens and start testing people's blood. But she knows it doesn't work. That's nuts. I know. And it's like, just like her uni professors warned her all the way back at the start, it is impossible to test someone's blood with only a drop of blood and to then put that drop of blood into a machine and get results in five minutes. It's just, it's impossible. It cannot work. So the Walgreens tests very quickly, it's obvious they're not working because mm -hmm. um, this is how dodgy things are getting. People are going into Walgreens, getting their blood tested. Then a courier is driving the blood to a Theranos lab where they have a bunch of regular commercial blood testing machines that they bought from other companies that actually work. Oh. And so then they are testing the blood in those machines and sending the results back to Walgreens. But <laughs> even when they're using machines that they have from the other company, a pinprick drop of blood isn't enough to do tests on. So there's not enough yeah. blood to even do the tests on the machines that work. So then they just start asking the Walgreens staff to do regular syringe blood blood tests and get like a few yeah. vials of blood, which really pisses people off because they've gone mm. in there really excited to get a blood test with just a pinprick. So the whole thing falls apart very, very quickly, which makes you think, how did she think it wouldn't? Of course. And also, were people paying yes. for the service? Yes. Or was it a free service? No, it's a paid you know service. Um, like, they had like this menu on their website. So it was like, Diabetes test, $35. Uh, HIV test, $60. Like thyroid test, $25. So, yeah, like uh -huh. quite, you know, quite a bit if you're getting multiple tests. Yeah. Mm. Right. And obviously. <laughs> yes. Right. You can't help but laugh. What? It's, it, I, I don't know what to say. It, Okay, so that they tried to pull off this fast for so long, and there are thousands of Walgreens I know. across the US, and they own Boots in the UK. Did they? Did they go oh, international? No, this it was only in the US at this point. Like it's just uh -huh. nuts to me that at the point where she could have said, "You're right, it's not working," she's like, "Not selling it to Walgreens. Let's bring in the <laughs> like it was crazy." And the deal with Walgreens sent the valuation of the company even higher because people were like, oh, my God, if they've signed this deal yeah. with Walgreens, then this machine must be legit. What people yeah. don't know is that they never even showed it to Walgreens. Like, like Walgreens never demanded evidence that it worked because they pulled the same thing. It's proprietary knowledge. It's a trade secret. We can't tell you. All we can tell you is, is that several other pharmacy chains are also in the bidding and if you miss out on this, you're going to be the pharmacy chain that doesn't have the pinprick test that everybody will want. So it was mm -hmm. kind of FOMO again. Yeah, right. Okay, so 
the lies are starting to unravel because uh-huh. it was easy to keep it a secret when it was all in development and all just in this little company in Silicon Valley. But now that the concept is out in public and it's not working, people are complaining and starting to talk about it and saying, yeah. I went into Walgreens to get the test and they just did a regular blood test. And also tests are coming back incorrect. So people are getting blood test results going to their doctor like, um, this says I'm going to die in three minutes. And the doctor's like, mm, <laughs> let's go test that somewhere else. And so then they get, you know, it's becoming clear that it's all just really dodgy. Mm. Um, and then a reporter from the Wall Street Journal hears about it all and starts looking into Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. And when uh, people hear that he's, uh, you know, researching and, and investigating and doing a story on it, a low-level lab technician kind of person who's very low on the totem pole at Theranos contacts him and says, I know these machines don't work. I work there. And she's mm. putting people's lives in danger by possibly giving them incorrect test results. Mm-hmm. And so John Carreyou, that's the reporter's name, he's like, ding, 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 this girl's a psycho and this is a big story. And so he really doubles down in looking into it. And when he does, he discovers like how messed up the whole situation has been and the fact uh-huh. that it's been a fantasy from the very, very beginning. So he spoke to ex-staffers who, you know, once one person starts talking, that makes more people brave to start talking. So he, he does get people to yeah. break their confidentiality agreements and tell him stuff. Mm. And um, they tell him all the messed up stuff, like about all the fake demonstrations they would do for investors. Um, Also that Elizabeth (laughs) had been telling investors that the machines were so good that they were being used on the front lines by medical soldiers in the army, which just was a complete (laughs) fabric. That was not true in any way, shape or form. It was a complete fabrication. Um, Also that... um, uh, Elizabeth was telling people that the machines were FDA approved. So that's the Food and Drug Administration. So that's the government body that, you know, whenever anybody is releasing a drug or anything, they um, are the ones who demand the evidence and the test results so they can say, yes, we approve that your product works. And Elizabeth Uh had been telling everyone that the machines were FDA approved, but they weren't because she'd never let anyone do any tests on them because she knows they don't work. And the Mm. reason she'd never... um, Salt, like made the company public and put it on the stock exchanges because she knew as soon as she didn't own the company anymore, she'd have to tell people all this stuff. Oh, yeah, the jig is up. Exactly. Um, he also discovered, and this is nuts, that Elizabeth Holmes doesn't even talk the way she actually talks. She's been lowering her voice for years. Like yeah. that's the level of psycho she is. So she's known <laughs> for having quite this striking she, – wait, I'll try and do it now. So she kind of talks like this. She, uh-huh. When you hear her in interviews, she says, I'm Elizabeth Holmes and I'm revolutionizing medicine. But then he goes back and finds stuff where she talks like me. Like she talks like <laughs> a nasally high-pitched 30-year-old girl. And, appara- like, and apparently staffers were saying like in the office, sometimes really late at night, she, if she was like tired or whatever, she'd forget and slip into her regular voice and it's like why 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 do like I get maybe she's in a male-dominated industry and maybe she was Mm. trying it but like it's such an odd thing to lie about to me it's a sign that someone is like a pathological liar when you're doing weird stuff like that Uh uh-huh and imagine the effort (laughs) 
<laughs> to do a different voice every day. I mean, do you think I don't wish that, like, I don't sound like this? <laughs> I could walk around all day talking like this to everyone and I wouldn't sound like a 19-year-old dipshit, but I can't be bothered. <laughs> this is what I sound like, so this is what I'm stuck with. You know what I mean? It's weird. We've learned to love it. I know. Um, so through all those years, you know, of people investing all that money, nothing had been discovered because of that genius veil of secrecy she had built around everything, and nobody knew everything about everything except her. Um, uh-huh. And at this point, you know, they're hundreds of millions of dollars in. Um, she's, you know, been at the helm of the company since she was 19. They're now testing the public with the machines, and she knows they don't work. And mm-hmm. John Carreyrou, after doing all this research, just blows the story, like, wide the F open. And in 2015, he starts publishing a series of articles that basically say, stop calling her a revolutionary genius. I did, you know, even the tiniest amount of research and I figured out that this shit doesn't work. Like it does mm-hmm. not work. Um, and at first Elizabeth comes out swinging. She's like, nah, yes, my machine does work and people are just jealous because I'm changing the world and I'm a revolutionary and that scares people. But then the FDA's like, hold on a sec, we want to look into this. And so the FDA starts looking into stuff and then other important people who matter start looking into stuff. And it becomes very obvious very quickly that the entire company is built on a lie. Like mm-hmm. she had this idea back when she was 19 and they've developed basically a black box that does nothing uh-huh. and and that's it. It doesn't work. And um, so pretty much a year after Forbes published that the issue with her on the cover saying she was the youngest ever female self-made billionaire, mm. um, a year after that they valued her company at zero. They <gasps> Yeah, they valued her <laughs> net worth as zero. And um, Elizabeth Holmes is sued by the board of her company and by a lot of investors. Walgreens is like, what the F, bitch? Like, we paid you all this money and it doesn't even work? Like, Mm. you suck. And so Walgreens basically just has to stop using the machines and Mm. um, there's no way to get their money back that they paid. And then um, in 2017, the company shuts down completely. The shareholders lose everything. Nobody who invested anything gets any money back. There's no money left. Elizabeth is still saying that at this point in 2017 that the idea can work and she just had some people advising her who gave her bad advice, but she still maintains that they are, you know, it's developing slower than what she wanted, but it is going to work and it hasn't been a fraud. She's just, just give her a bit more time. Um, but people are like, lol, no, she's banned $500,000. Um, she's fined $500,000 and banned from running a company for 10 years, um, which made people furious because they were like, that's not enough of a punishment. Like, not only is it a fraud at the level of someone, say, like Bernie Madoff, which we'll do it just mm-hmm. the gist of at one point, it's also, you know, she put people's lives in danger, yeah. Like to steal people's money when you know you can't deliver is morally reprehensible, but to mm. then sell a product to the public that you know doesn't work that they are relying on for their health and medical care is like evil. Yeah. It's psychopathic. I mean, there's, 
Absolutely. There's a lot of false promises that are made in all sorts of different industries, of course. Um, but to make a false promise that people's lives depend on, that's yes. a big line to cross. And then to continue to just double down on the lie again and again and again. She's got some stones. Or it reminds she is just me, um, completely messed up. I know. So it reminds me of this friend I had that I grew up with who I'm not friends with anymore because she was like a like chronic pathological liar like she would make shit up when we were kids and we were all just like oh that's her like she makes up stories and who cares but then when Facebook became a thing I think it was like this tool for her to um like really take those like fantasies to the next level and so Mm -hmm. she had like this group of 10 friends that like I didn't know but like she said they were her friends and I was like oh cool whatever like I guess you hang out with them when I'm not around. And, you know, I was in and out of foster care and in other places, so I never knew. Like, I was like, they could yeah. be our friends. And, like, it turned out after a while that they were all her and she'd made these really complicated, deep Facebook accounts for each of them and they all interacted with each other as well as oh. interacting with her. And, like, it, it was, like, this entire, like, fantasy world of people who didn't exist but like she was so into the lie I'm not sure if she like I think she believes she does have those 10 friends still to this day I don't know it got too weird and I said I can't be your friend anymore so I haven't seen her in years and years and years this is a long time ago Wow, I know. having the time and energy to do that. I know. She must have a very vivid imagination. And it was often um, things really flattering to her, like, wow, like one of them would comment, you look so pretty in this photo. And then another <gasps> one would comment, agreed. And like, and then they'd comment together and, oh, my God, it was so weird. It actually, oh. I felt sick when I found out they weren't real. I was like. How did you figure it out? Uh, but it. It just all got, it's a complicated, it all got figured out. Um, but it was all because um, uh, back then um, you could see the email that each Facebook account was under and uh-huh. it was, they were all under um, her email. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and then when you looked back over it, in hindsight, you were like, oh, my God, this is really obvious. But And, like, mm. you know, when we did Google image uh, reverse searches and, like, found that they were just stock photos of people and or, like, it, oh, it was just creepy. It's just people who can lie at that level and with that kind of commitment, it's it's creepy. Mm. It's creepy. So I went to school with someone who used to do similar stuff. Yeah, everyone like knows that. someone. Pre-Facebook and she'd tell stories like, oh, yeah, last night Heath Ledger took one of my best friends who goes to another school and me <laughs> in his private <laughs> helicopter down to Sydney so that we could have dinner at Darling Harbour just because. You're like, really? Heath Ledger? <laughs> yeah, his parents are really good friends with my parents. That sort of just outrageous, bold-faced lie yeah, like- that they say with such confidence that it's actually really hard to say to them. I don't believe you. Yes, but also, you know what they say is when you confront pathological liars, their immediate instinct is to double down on the lie. Like when Mm. I confronted my friend and I told her, like, I'm actually really worried and concerned and this stuff is getting out of control and it's making me feel uncomfortable, Mm. she wrote me this really, really long email 
going into way too elaborate detail, explaining away every point I had brought up. Well, that happened because of this and this was this day and you didn't know about Mm. this and you didn't know this friend. And I was just like, oh, dude, no, I can't, I can't. Yeah. And those people, the ones who were like that, everyone knew someone in high school who would come to school saying Heath Ledger flew Mm. me from the sunny coast to Darling Harbour. (laughs) Like those people, once Facebook became a thing, it just opened up a world of opportunities to do even more weird stuff. They're the people who grew up to become catfish, you know? Yes. Oh, and you know, my dad told me when I was quite young that I was a really bad liar. And my response to that was, do you mean I'm bad at telling lies in a believable way or that I tell too many lies? And he was like, both. What? Both. (laughs) (laughs) So you tell too many bad lies. (laughs) Correct. And I was like, okay, note taken. I'm doing it too much and I'm not pulling it off, so I'm just going to (laughs) stop. My favorite thing is when like I've been flirting with a dude and I've told him like heaps of bullshit about myself and before you meet him I've got to be like Jacob here are the following lies I have told that I need you to be on board with <laughs> because some things may come up that sound ridiculous to you but made me look very impressive at the time. <laughs> and pretty much everyone listening understands where you're yeah. coming from here and it's so helpful as the friend to not be caught off guard. I know. No, I give you a thorough list and you all, you've always got my back. You're always really good at it. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> back to Elizabeth home. <laughs> um, who, you know, really just did the same thing but on a much bigger, more epic scale. Yeah. Um, sh- there is a trial, a fraud trial, because charges have been brought against her and she'll be going to trial for fraud in June of 2020. And people are saying that it's quite likely she'll um, get sent to prison um, if she's found guilty in that trial. Okay. But So um, where is she now? Okay, I'm glad you asked. So she kind of just disappeared. She came out swinging, tried to act like she was being persecuted and and people were just trying to bring down a revolutionary and then I think someone was like, babe, stop it. And so then she just disappeared. She recently popped up on Instagram on a private account that some sleuth found and put on Reddit and she looks totally different. So she's not dressing in that like black turtleneck, black pants anymore. Like she's wearing, like she's just, she looks like a, person our age were like she spent 10 years dressing like she was 50 and acting like she was 50 and you know she was born the same year as you and so she now just kind of looks like a cool mid-30s young woman she got engaged to a guy from a really um wealthy family and she kind of just there's photos of her walking her dog and going to Coachella she just seems like she's yeah like she just seems like she's not a Steve Jobs robot anymore like It's weird. And she still maintains that there was no fraud, that she's confident that uh, she'll be found not guilty at the trial and that the basic premise of the technology worked and, you know, if given more time, she would have been able to do it. Okay. Wow. So she's still in the US. She's still in the US. She probably isn't allowed to leave, I'd imagine. Probably. probably, Um, She, you know, doesn't matter that her net worth went from 4.5 billion to zero because she married a rich dude um, who is from a billionaire family. And um, I guess she's just waiting now for her trial in June. That's when we'll start seeing her in the press again. Right. But you know, there was, there was the book um, Bad Blood by John Carreyou, which um, 
is amazing. Then there was a podcast called um, The Dropout, which was amazing because uh-huh. everybody's obsessed with this story because it's so bizarre. It really? <laughs> and then the movie's coming out where Jennifer Lawrence is playing her and there's a TV show coming out with Kate McKinnon. Like it's, 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 Jennifer Lawrence is going to be amazing, by the way, because she does have that kind of deep voice. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool. Yeah. And she is just generally amazing. But Kate McKinnon, she's the funny one out of um, Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, yeah. she's from so Saturday Night Live. is she Live. doing a – is it a comedian? No, it it's a serious like, – it's a TV, like, it's a series about what happened. So I think it's going to be serious. Uh-huh. I guess. So, <laughs> like, what are your – do you feel like I've given you just the gist? Do you kind of get it now? Could you tell people at a dinner party about it? I probably could. I mean, it seems like it's so impossible, but I guess it actually in so many ways is possible. Like, it is. And this is the thing. If you give rich people just the gist of why they need to invest in your special black box that's going to perform miracles, if they've got a spare $100 million, which Rupert Burnock certainly does, <laughs> yes. They're probably going to give it to you, especially if you're a charming, beautiful woman who's able to put forward your case with, you know, a few bats of the eyelashes. Exactly. Um, so I guess I can see why people would get on board. I'm absolutely amazed that she managed to maintain the illusion for over a decade. So what and do you think? Because I said I would ask you and you would, I would t- explain it to you first and see what you think. Do you think that she's just an optimistic person who got caught up in it and truly believed she could make it work? Or do you think that she is like an evil fraudster who was just getting money and knew that she had nothing? It's hard. I think half the fun is not knowing. Yes. Um, But I think if you look at the fact that she's looking at these role models who were also dropouts, like Steve Jobs, who, from what I understand, didn't finish college. I might be wrong about that. There's an episode right there. You can do a Steve (laughs) Jobs for me. Okay. But I'm pretty sure, like, dropped out of college, had this sort of dream of being able to do something that seemed like it would be totally impossible, but then just managed to get enough money and enough smart people involved to be able to build something that just seemed like it would be worth all the effort and it would be worth all the money that people were going to throw at it. Um, And she seems to have this obvious self-confidence that she's just totally convinced that she's going to be able to pull it off eventually. And when she's looking at people like Steve Jobs, who took so many hits in the course of his career and got fired and then got brought back, she probably thought that every sort of um, uh, headwind that she came up against was just a temporary setback until everything just fell into place finally. Well, the reason she called the machine the Edison is because this is an interesting little tidbit. Um, Thomas Edison, that's that's Mm. the first name, isn't it, Thomas? Thomas Edison? Uh, Am I here? Yes. Dino? Yes. Dino's nodding. Mm -hmm. Felix is nodding. Um, So Thomas Edison um, kind of did the same thing. He told people that he was going to invent like the light bulb and people gave him lots and lots of money and he had no idea how to do it. And he was trying and trying and trying and failing and failing and failing, getting more investors, getting more money to the point where people were saying to him, give us our money back. You're a fraud. You cannot do this. And he was like, no, I promise I'm going to deliver the light bulb. I'm, I'm going to do it. And then right when things were dire and people were demanding their money back and he was about to lose everything, he cracked it and he invented the light bulb. And she was really inspired by that story and that's why she called her machine the Edison. 
So that kind of alludes to her knowing, like, fake it till you make it. We don't have it yet, but we will get it. Yeah. I think it's kind of scary. But you can't um, fake it. It's one thing to fake it till you make it with, like, technology stuff, but she she picked the medical field. She picked people's lives. And that's why I think it's scary that these sorts of things can be privatised. And I don't Mm. know if that's only in America, but, you know, if someone's working on something like this, then it should be publicly available knowledge for everyone, Mm. as opposed to something that can be used to get such massive, massive profits. I don't know much about the way these industries work. Well, I mean, that's why, um, what's his name? Jonas Salk, the guy who discovered the cure for polio, could have sold it for a bazillion dollars to a pharmaceutical company. But the second he discovered it, he made it open property for everyone to have. It was information Mm. that everyone deserved. So he never patented it. He never copyrighted it. He was like, I figured it out. And here you go. It's for the greater good. Yeah. He got Nobel Prize. Which for you and me feels like basic common decency. Yes. But the fact that you can choose to keep it to yourself and make billions of dollars, even if it's not real. Even if it doesn't work. (laughs) It's so weird. But you know what blows my mind? She was born in 1984. She did all of this in the time that you and I went to drama school, studied creative writing, worked some shitty retail jobs, and ended up on this podcast. <laughs> like, how did she do that? <laughs> what is uh, life? And, I mean, look, she's worth, what, nothing now or minus $500,000 and well, might have to spend the rest of her life in prison. So maybe but then we're she winning. Did, but she married a billionaire, so... Yeah, but you ain't going to be able to buy her a particularly fancy cell in prison if that's that's where she's headed. Okay, so that's it. That was just the gist of Elizabeth Holmes, my friend. Do you reckon she gets any of the rights from the TV show and the movies? No? No. Okay. It's also, I have to say, really messed up that all these people who knew how corrupt the whole business was Mm. and how um, messed up everything was behind the scenes were able... Um, were forced to keep it all a secret. I know. And, and the, the fact the, the that, league. like, the very first person to go to a reporter was a low-level 23-year-old lab technician was the one who had the balls to do it. Like, it's not. And where's he now? Um, it, was a, uh, it was a girl and a guy. Um, mm-hmm. And they're both, like, in the documentary that Alex Gibney made, but um, things were pretty scary for them for a while, like being followed in cars, getting threatening legal letters, like being told, we're going to ruin your life, you're going to be working to pay us for the next 50 years. Like, it was um, intense. So it was lucky that John Carreyrou, the reporter, really managed to come through with his investigations because um, it blew the whole thing wide open. Mm Mm-hmm. God, you, you seem like you want to keep talking about this forever and we've got to wrap up. I do. It's okay, nuts. I, this, we should have been sponsored by the TV show, the movie, the book, because <laughs> I'm definitely going to do further research into this because it sounds absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Do I need to give you a bit of a debrief on uh, what no, I've I think we did it. to understand? Okay. I, feel that you, I feel that you are pretty much like, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> we'll talk more when we stop recording. <laughs> okay, there might need to be a part two to this. Yeah, okay. Especially well, in June next year. I know. Yeah, we'll talk about know. it again. Yes. Yes. I'm so looking forward to it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Can you see why I've been obsessed with it for two years? Yes. I've been <laughs> dying to give, and this has probably been more than just the gist, but it was hard to narrow this one down. Complicated, but yeah. Okay, we've got to go. We've got to go. I love you, and I'll see you next week. And love um, you too. Okay, bye.
Bye. Thanks, Del. Bye. Bye.